I know we always do this, and I think it's just beneficial. Would you stand back up in the ringing of the word? God's word is so ono. Can I get a witness out there? His word is delicious. His word is good, and I want to be faithful today to the preaching of his word, the proclamation of his word. And if you have your words, would you ho'omau kaukau? Our words will be found in the letter of Ephesians. I want to remind you today, though we see all these lights and all these gadgets, we're not trying to perform for any of you in this room. It is our desire to point you to Christ, and the way we point you to Christ is through the proclamation of the Word of God, through singing, through preaching, through seeing, and through living. And so I want you to see what Paul the Apostle says in these seven verses. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the, say that word with me, mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the what? Mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations as it is, has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the what? Spirit. The what? Spirit. The mystery is that the Gentiles, here's the answer, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. God, help us to be very intentional about searching our hearts today. Remind us that your word is truth. You are truth, and we need your spirit to manifest himself in us today. God, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. We love you. And God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I got a new truck. I ain't going to lie to you. I got a brand new truck. So I know it's sometimes hard for me to act right when I give something like that. But I got a brand new 2018 Chevy Silverado. And, and what makes it best is I didn't pay for it at all. My in-laws gave it to me as a gift. Thank you, in-laws. Can I get a witness out there, right? And the one thing about getting new stuff, specifically like cars, is you have to figure out the new gadgets in there, right? You have to figure out what's going on. I mean, this bugger talk back to you. You know, when you hook up your iPhone, it has Apple Play. And also, the, when you put it in reverse, it has a camera in the back telling you how far you... And I hate those things, to be honest with you. It really doesn't help at all. But the thing that I really have to be aware of is not so much the gadgets and the new things that are operating in this new vehicle, but, listen to me, the thing I have to learn is where my blind spots were now. 
And, and on Friday, we went to the beach and was going to poke it to your taste, you know, right there by the dumpster road. And once, and there's a, what I didn't realize is that as I was making a turn, we had a small little Honda Civic. God bless you if you have a Honda Civic, praise the Lord. Uh, Try to undercut me, not overtake me. Does that make sense? And so if you know anything, there is no undercutting, Hawaiians. I mean, you undercut me. Hawaiian, you'll get one pop in your mouth, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be bad. And so thank God that they have these extra uh, rear view mirrors right there on the uh, side mirror itself. Does that make sense? And if I didn't pull over to my left over the lane, my boys and I would have gotten into a horrible wreck. Right? And when we look at our life in Christ... There are blind spots in our walk with Jesus that we have to address today. Can I get a witness, right? We have to address today. One of the blind spots you guys may have heard that we've, uh, we've come to learn about yesterday morning is that my cousin, Kaliku, Kaliko, went home to be with the Lord yesterday. That was a blind spot for a lot of us. If you know my family story, not many of our family knows Jesus in my family. My father is first-generation Christian. Everyone before that was Hawaiiana and all that. They did not have hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my cousin went home to be with the Lord. And what a joy in such a tragic moment to reflect on God's goodness. My cousin, for the last few months, have had some intentional gospel conversation with myself and with, with Connie and some of the men in this room. And they come in faithfully and learning about what it means to follow Jesus and the brother had too big of a heart for his body. Age 35, the Lord takes him. What a blind spot for a lot of us, huh? Hope you come in this morning ready to receive from the Lord. Hope you come this morning not just going through the motions of church, because Hawaiians, that's easy for going through the motions of the church. I hope we came to receive from the Lord that which we can't give to ourselves. This morning, I am desperate for Jesus more than ever. And even in the area of leadership, we have blind spots. And the leadership guru, John Maxwell, he narrows down these blind spots for, for people, humanity in general, what that looks like. And the first blind spot recognition, he says, is number one, a narrow perspective. Yes, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have conviction. I believe there's a heaven and a hell. There's no in between. But in order for us to be salt and light in a community, we have to hear people out. We have to have healthy conversations because the symptoms of a narrow perspective is one who is unreachable and is set in their ways. Are you set in your ways today? Are you set in your ways? Secondly, John Maxwell talks about insecurity. These are symptoms of people who have difficult time giving other people credit, hoarding information, limiting followers' exposure to other leaders, feeling threatened by the growth of others, micro managing. And let me tell you, this is probably the worst thing I have in my leadership ability. I'm insecure. I'm a micromanager. I mean, you get a hundred football boys on the field with me, I'm going to micromanage everything, right? Because I don't trust them or whatever the case is. I'm insecure in my leadership, in their competency. Uh, thirdly, we see that John Maxwell says another sign of this is uh, blind spots are out of control ego. People, right, a prideful leader tends to blame others, live in denial, and be closed-minded and rigid. This results in low morale among followers. How many of you are like me in that area, right? We can be honest. All one of you, praise God. Everybody else is saints. Glory to God, right? Perfect. 
And lastly, another sign of blind spots is a lack of character. Simply one who does not follow through with what they say and what they do. It's a hypocrite by its own nature. And what we've been doing, we've been going through this four-week series entitled Reset. And we're asking God that he would reset our walk. How? By going slower. Secondly, by going deeper. And today we're going to look at by going wider. It is essential that, first off, this is not just a topical message to make you feel better about yourself. No, this is a message that helps us look at the core of our heart. Does my heart look like Christ or does my heart look like my flesh? In other senses, when we go wider today, I want you to hear this question. What does it mean to look to, to go wider in this walk with the Lord? Here's the biblical truth, and I will explain it later. It says, everything in life is taught before it is experienced. Say that with me if you believe that with me. One, two, three. Everything in life is taught before it is experienced. Hey, it may not be in a classroom setting, but it's taught. Does that make sense? It's taught. Your children are watching your behaviorism. Your children are watching. Even you are watching other parents. It is essential to understand what is taught over this pulpit today is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? We're not here to make you feel better about your sin. We're here to share with you that you are flawed in need of Christ. And if you need Christ, say hallelujah this morning, right? For us at OC, it is our desire to teach what it means to follow Christ. And for us, this is found in the Word of God. We value the teaching and preaching of God's Word, not just on a Sunday morning, but in our groups and our gatherings together. We love the exegetical process and expository preaching of God's Word. A gospel-centered church is a church that preaches the Word. Can I get a witness, right? That sings the Word, all right? That lives the Word, that sees the Word. That is a gospel-centered, Christ-centered church. What does that terminology mean? That when we preach, it's about Christ. Why? Because he is our life source. He's not just the example for the gospel. He is the answer for our death. So everything in life is taught before it is experienced, and that is through the Word of God. And when I got that news from my cousin yesterday, I go through stages of emotion. So I really didn't cry till this morning and all of that. But, but this, is, this is the song that God gave me. I'm, I'm a song kind of brother. I, when, when, I'm in, when I'm down, I just need God to lift me up in song. Right? And so I just begin to sing songs of adoration, songs of praise to God uh, for, for his goodness, right? And I remember just singing this this morning, like, through it all, through it all, I learn to trust in Jesus. I learn to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. May we be people of word. God's word is verbal. God's word is pure. God's word is accurate. God's word is perfect. Even when we don't feel like it's perfect, he is perfect. Amen? 
So as we look into our text today, I want us to see how we can go wider today. Number one, God extends grace. Can I get a witness today? Right? Read that with me. One, two, three. God extends As we exegete our text today, look at the verses. Paul begins with these few words. He says, for this reason. To understand those few words, we have to go all the way back to chapter 1 where Paul begins a prayer, a thankful prayer. And he continues on through this theme of grace, okay? Grace being extended. And he continues to say, for this reason, I, Paul. (coughs) I want you to see this. Watch these next words that he says, all right? Watch how he coins his position in the gospel. He says, I, Paul, a what? Prisoner. Let's stop right there. Right? He never say one kanaka, okay? As much of us as are proud of our culture. He never even say saint in this passage. He didn't even re-say what he said in chapter 1 where he calls himself an apostle. Actually, he goes on first to say that he is a prisoner. This is a sign of humility, Right? A reminder that, that, that God is bigger and greater than you and I. He coins the word prisoner, understanding that I am shackled not by sin, but by grace. And so for some of you, you may not understand what grace is, but here's the definition of grace grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve, which is a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. This means we don't deserve or earn our way to God. We don't deserve that. In fact, we see a continued theme from the previous chapter while Paul simply tells the church of Ephesus that we were saved not by what we have done, but by God's grace alone, that he has chosen us to be a part of his ohana. Look at me in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn back one chapter. It says, but God... All right, listen to me. But God being rich in what? Mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were what? Dead. What can a dead man do for himself or herself? Nothing. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Say these words with me, one, two, three. By grace, you have been saved. I want you to see what it's not saying, Hawaiians, in this text. It is not saying you did something to receive God. Read it. Let the scripture preach for itself. It didn't say that there was something in you that God saw that he wanted. Aole. There's nothing good in us. We see that. Look, look at that. I want you to see. But it says, by grace, you have been saved. It's unmerited. You can't earn your way to Jesus. You can't do nothing. You are absolutely sunk apart from Christ. Now, if you feel like you've been beat up with a bat, it gets better. Say, tell your neighbor, neighbor, it gets better. Hawaiian, say Hawaiian style. Say, hey, get more honor. I promise. More better. Uh, more better. I promise you. Because right now, you're like, oh, here we go. Kahuzi preaching on the depravity of mankind. And you best believe it, Jack. You best believe it. You ain't all that, as we learned last week. You ain't all that. I ain't all that. 
All right, listen to me. And so to better understand God's grace, his unmerited favor, I want you to see a few things that is connected in these verses. Number one, God's grace is connected with God's mercy. The mercy of God is the opposite of grace. It is God not giving to us what we do deserve, which is complete separation from him in hell. Yes, we are that church. But listen to me. God is merciful. Even in our posture to God as a sinner, dead in our trespasses, we should beg God for mercy. Why? Because if grace is revealed, our response should be, God, I need your mercy. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Number two, we see that God's grace is connected with God's love. Look at Ephesians 2, 4, 5. It continues to say this. Because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we're dead. A great preacher said this once. While we were at our worst, God gave us his best. While we were sinful, depraved, and going straight to hell, God, being rich in mercy, loved you and me. I mean, that's good news, guys. So we see that God's grace is connected with his mercy. God's grace is connected with God's love. But I want to give some clarity to some confusion in our Christian culture today. Because this is where a lot of confusion has happened in the church today. This is where always, we always start our gospel conversations with one another with the language that God loves you. Right? That's why we say, oh, God loves you. But that is not true. The gospel does not start with God loves you, everybody. This is what it's like. Reading that text, this is where the gospel starts. You ready? That God's penalty and destruction and wrath is on you right now. That's where the gospel starts. If you cannot identify yourself as a sinner, how can you ever identify God's grace, mercy, and love? If it's just God loves you, God is a God of love, and, all, and I, I am for that. But apart from understanding that you are undeserving of God's grace and love, all you will be is like every other American Christian in this room thinking you're entitled for God's grace when you are entitled for hell. This is not just fire and brimstone preaching. This is grace. Grace that someone would be honest with you, Hawaiians. That you aren't deserving of God's love. Look at what James Boyce says. He says, the worldly mind does not take God's wrath seriously because it does not take sin seriously. The last time I checked, sin did not handicap you. Sin made you dead. And that's why we have addictions in these rooms. Myself included, right? It goes on to say, yet if sin is as bad as the Bible declares it to be, Nothing is more just or reasonable than that the wrath of a holy God should rise up against it. Praise God. Praise God that he doesn't leave us in our sin, but he provides a propitiation for us. Jesus. Jesus. Here's the biblical truth. The truth is God's love can only be experienced through a proper understanding that the only thing we are deserving of is God's wrath and judgment, period. 
Then you read these verses, and the words jumps off the screens. But God, can I get a chihu in here, right? Now, can I get a real Polynesian chihu in here? All right, right, right. Like, like this is joy, but God. The biggest but that you would want to ever hear, right? B-U-T mindsets over here, right? But God, right? It didn't say he was poor in mercy. Help me out, y'all. It says he was rich in mercy. Meaning there was a, there, there's plentiful. It's overflowing. The bugger is a millionaire when it comes to mercy. He is a merciful God. He loves you because he's a merciful God over your depravity. He gives you grace because he's a merciful God over your sin. And the truth of the matter is, until we acknowledge sin as what it is, we will never grasp the totality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ came to save sinners. Titus, we see this, not in Titus yet, but we see also that God's grace is the gospel. And Titus 2 explains what this means. He says, for the grace of God has appeared. Can I get a witness out there, right? Bringing salvation. Now, did it say you were bringing salvation? Did it say you appeared? No, it said God has appeared bringing salvation for what? All people. Training us to, here we go, college students. I want you guys to hear this, right? Young adults, uh, youth, OPO, I want you to hear this. Watch, watch what the gospel does. This is the true gospel. I want to hear you, right? Training us to what? Renounce. To get rid of. Right? Throw that Opala away, Hawaiians. To renounce ungodliness and what? Worldly passions. And to live with what? Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. I am so tired of preachers who talk about planting a seed when in all reality the gospel we preach is much bigger than planting seeds. Guess what? If it's in Christ, it grows. If it's in Christ, it blossoms. And if it's in Christ, it bears much fruit. It doesn't just plant seeds. Why? Because the gospel is not dependent on your effort. The gospel is dependent on what God does. Therefore, what God does can no one do like him. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He is redeemable through us in his name alone. And God, I want you to see this. As we see this in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all what? Lawlessness. And to, the, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for God's good works. What does this mean? If you truly met Jesus, then your life will look like Jesus. If it does not look like Jesus, you may be hearing the wrong gospel. This gospel is not a pansy gospel. It's a gospel that redeems sinners from death to life. Now, if you don't like the passion that comes over this pulpit, that's between you and God. Uh, I'm, that's just the kind of Hawaiian I am, all right? So, so get over that part, okay? Is the truth, I could say, I could preach it like this. The tone could be different. Well, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. 
Does it change the definition of the words? Does it change the tone? We don't live by tones here. We live by truth. Are you with me? When Jesus put himself on this earth, we have seen our desperate need for him. Imagine this. We even pick the churches we go to based on a couple things. Number one, the social preference, right? Or get plenty of young adults over there. Or get plenty of kupuna over there. Get plenty of opio. Like, we, we, we pick the churches we go to based on our theological preferences. We, 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 pick, we, we pick the churches we go to that make us feel better about our sin, but in all reality, we need to pick churches that, that makes us more gospel urgent, gospel focused. Less than 5,000 people in Hilo Town attends an evangelical church on Sunday morning. That's a problem. That's a problem when this town, nearly 200 years ago, was the biggest, had the biggest Christian church in the world. It still stands today on the hill. What has happened? The clarity of the gospel. We've lost track that though this world has issues, political issues and, and, and circumstances that are beyond our control, we've allowed that to determine our stance in Christ, rather Christ determine our stance in him. So you are missing out on God's grace if that's you today. God's grace picks you up. God's grace honey, honey, and lomi, lomis you from your depravity. Amen? You can't get better than Big Island candies in here. Can I get a witness in there, right? I mean, when we go, we're going to go to Japan in like eight days, me and our team. And we're going to be with our church in Japan. And, you know, we always give them Big Island candies because Hawaiian, there's only one place you can get Big Island candies. On the Big Island, right? And all that. And when you put a little bit of that macnut chocolate in your mouth, it's like you've experienced regeneration all over again, you know? The, the, the matter of it is that God's grace is much better even than that, right? Much more sweeter, much more better. So God extends his grace, and thank God that he extends his grace to sinners, right? Lastly, God extends grace through us. Verses 1 and 3 shows us Paul's heart and how he extended God's grace to the church of Ephesus. Here's a couple thoughts from our verse. And I want you to understand this. Paul at this moment is in prison for five years. Two of those years in Caesarea, Israel, and three of those years in Rome. And he's writing this letter in a posture of suffering. Now, he wasn't crying to get out of the jail cell he was actually crying that people would know Jesus. Think about your circumstance, right, right now. How can that compare to that? So, so we see this, Paul, we see two things out of this that God extends his grace through us. Number one, grace is shared and not stored. Say that with me, one, two, three. Grace is shared and not stored. The word Paul uses to define this truth is the word mystery, Four times in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul went a little wider by telling the Gentiles that they are fellow heirs to the throne of grace. Let me tell you a secret. All right, lean in right now. You ready? You are those Gentiles. 
Let me just see if there, if there is any. Does anybody here have Jewish, Jewish blood in this? No. Yep, you fit the bill. You are a Gentile by that. So for generations upon generations upon generations, there's been these teachings that the gospel was for the Israelites alone, the Jewish people by blood. That's what it looked like. But in all reality, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, we learned this last week, right? That through you, Abraham, the whole entire world will be blessed. Now, that, that, now whether the Jewish people got it wrong later on in the timeline of that, which was probably obvious, we see something so pure in God's grace being shared and not stored. That, listen to me. That God is against prejudice. God is against uh, segregation. And though culture and, and timeline and, and says that they, we have practiced this as a culture, it, is, it does not define truth. You know what I like, Ohana Church, and I love being, here, being a part of this work? Look around you. Come on, look. You see something that's obvious? Hawaiians, you guys don't look a lot alike, you know? Get different colors. Even in the hair, right? And the eyes. Well, you know, all of us, we, we're a little bit more fluffy than others like me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's all reality. But you look around. This is a gospel-centered church. One who calls all peoples. I mean, that's what the text says, that Jesus came to, call, to cause all people to come to salvation. So grace is shared, not stored. Here's the truth. We can know Jesus personally today because of faithful gospel preachers like the Jewish apostle named Paul. Imagine if Paul was not faithful to the preaching of the gospel. God could have used anyone else, but in God's sovereign story, he called Paul to be sent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This should encourage us today because I'm sure many of us in this room, right, are just like Paul before Christ. We may have known of God, but had no personal relationship with the Lord. Therefore, Paul's heart is to share this mystery that the gospel is for all peoples of the earth. At the same time, we deny a universal gospel saying that everybody gets a chance to go to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. We deny that as a church. Not everyone will respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that does not stop us from preaching the gospel. That should encourage us to be even more gospel urgent. Lastly, grace unifies and does not divide. Verses 4 to 6 is very clear about this. Paul says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Churches have core values or codes of honor. We have what we call priorities. And we have three priorities, and our second priority is very heartfelt to us. And that priority is the ohana. We believe, I want you to see this on the screen, ohana in Hawaiian means family. We believe that the church is not a building or an event, it's a family. Can I get a witness there, right? Specifically, the family of God. The gospel not only marks us as children of God, but also brothers and sisters of one another. This means we desire to be honest. You guys hear that? Honest. I can promise you, this is probably one of the hardest things in the walk of faith as a pastor. 
People aren't being honest, but this is what we, we desire. We desire that people be honest and real about our struggles as we seek support from God and those who belong to him. The biggest challenge for us is that we are so consumed with an unbiblical view of the gospel that we stay too long on our personal development that we neglect gospel urgency for others. That is the truth. We are so consumed with our needs and what needs to happen in our lives that get one brother and one sister right down the road from you that is more worse shaped than you because you have Jesus and they don't. Here's this life application. A genuine sign of God's grace being fleshed out in the lives of believers is their active participation in gospel urgency. I'm with you. Going to church doesn't make you a better Christian or make you a Christian at all. But let me tell you, we're not going to church this morning. We are the church. We're not going to an event, right? We're going to people we belong to. Family, Ohana, and as the great theologians Lilo and Stitch, as they said, right? Nobody gets left behind. This is why we call you. This is why we text you. This is why we check on you. Because we understand living in Christ is much more difficult than pastors and preachers say. Living in Christ demands something from this faith. You guys remember? Here's what it demands. Repentance. Not rededications or any of that. Repentance. What do I mean by that? The gospel says this. If anybody... If anybody desires to follow me, they must what? Deny themselves. Repentance. Take up your cross. That's how I know it's not this pretty thing our football players wear on the ears and over the necks. It's a torturous symbol. And follow me. That's how we're going to respond today. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Christ today. If you've been saved by Christ, you cannot help but share Him. But if you're not sharing Him, there may be a relationship with you actually being saved. Now, I'm not putting the work on you. I'm putting the work on God. May you receive truth today. That because of your sin, God has provided his son to showcase his mercy and grace and love to you today. Repent. Embrace the gospel. Move forward.